are again. Welcome back to another episode of WRYH, which is an acronym for that stands for Who Raised You Hoes, a podcast that judges with love. I am your weekly host, Lonnie. Um, we are on episode six. Let's talk about it. I'm very proud and happy to be on the sixth episode. As always, please like, share, comments. Let's get the ratings up to get these numbers up. I was able to finally situate the Facebook situation and have the like profile officially done for Who Raised You Hoes um, for Facebook. So now I'm available on all social media platforms as WRYH Podcasts. Um, for Facebook, of course, it's a space because it's a like profile. So let's get directly into the timeline here. Um, <clears throat> so let's get straight into it. I'm going to leave. Yes, I'm going to talk about the topic that we all want to hear me speak about. Or I basically purposely decided to wait until I recorded to talk about it. So um, let's start on a light note this week. Um, Kalani announces her pregnancy. Um, come to find out, Mama is four months pregnant. We had no clue that she was pregnant at all. She hit it very well. She appears to be rather um small, um, because of course it's early on. She's not gonna be waddling out here. That means when she shot the video of her ring with Cardi B, Cardi B may have just dropped hers, but she was already starting to develop her child. Um, she did go into Queen Radio didn't speak with um, Nicki Minaj and she revealed that she actually has been in a relationship with a guy all these months and actually he's a bisexual male and they actually are in talks of possibly getting married. So she's happy. I'm happy. Congratulations to Kalani. I know you'll make an awesome parent. Um, And let's move on to the next topic that I have here. Amy Winehouse Hologram Tour scheduled for 2019 with live band. Let's be perfectly clear. If you know me, you know how I feel about Amy Winehouse. That is ultimately one of my favorite artists of all time. I am not here for this. And I'm going to tell you why. I feel as if whenever someone does like a hologram performance, to me, it's it's not the same. It's kind of like when we saw the hologram of Michael at that award show, I forget which one it was in particular. I just, it, I'm like, it's not him physically. We're looking at a projector of his image, a light projector of his image. And it's like, even when Christina Aguilera, I don't know why she decided to do that, decided to do a hologram performance of the voice with Whitney Houston's hologram, and the family quickly shut that shit down, like, no, this would not be happening. And I'm kind of elated that they did but her estate is behind this tour that they're doing that they're having her hologram go around for i i'm not here for it as a fan and a lover of amy in general i'm not here for it i just i don't see it i don't i'm sorry i'm i love amy far too much to look at a projector of her i'd rather see the rawness of amy with her battling her demons and everything, that voice was just, it was magical. And I just, there will be another Amy and I'm just okay with listening to her music or watching her previous live performances. I will not be going to a hologram tour. Sorry, just not happening. 
Um, after years, uh, years, years later, I want to say this happened probably in like 2015, 2016, the reel finally speaks out about what really took place behind Tamar's firing. Um, they recently went onto a breakfast club, and I don't know how or why this came up. I think Charlene and God asked the question, but the main person that spoke out about it was Lonnie Love. Now, Lonnie, I'll give y'all a synopsis. Lonnie said that basically they had absolutely no idea what was going on, contrary to what Tamar was saying. They had no idea that she was going to be fired from the real. Um, they said... They text her, they called her, she wasn't responding. They went to Logan's birthday party. When they tried to speak to her about what was taking place, she basically shut them out. Now, they said also that um, Lonnie Love said she ran into Tawanda, who is um, Tamar's sister. She ran into her going to a flight to um, to Atlanta, and she said that um, basically that Tawanda was on her way to Atlanta because they got called for an emergency shooting progressive family values and basically she said that Tawanda tried to warn her that they basically bring like basically Tawanda gets in contact sorry I'm rambling a little bit Tawanda then gets in Tawanda Lonnie Love gets in contact with one of her people that work at WE and they kind of find out that they knit that Tamar and Vince name dropped her so she went about as far as to possibly preparing legal action to possibly sue WeTV for um Definition of character. Now, Tawanda Braxton responded to what was being said because, of course, her name is thrown in it, and I don't blame her. She was defending herself. So, Tawanda, and I'm reading directly from her Instagram post, said the following: "What I'm not willing to do is allow anyone to create this. Uh, create is this a." Uh, dissertation Ugh, I don't know Anywho, I'm a little drunk absolutely was not on the flight with Lonnie Love and how many years ago was this conversation I'm amused at the, how the statements were paraphrased it was never a heads up and as soon as I saw Lonnie Love on the, light, on the flight I immediately contacted Tamar to let her know the interview circulating that I'm included in is bullshit I, well, I feel compelled to keep mentioning Tamar when it pertains to that talk show. I guess they're her biggest fans. We all should ask Tamar to come back since she's the hot topic. Keep it real in quotation marks or change the name of the show. The real real. Love you, Tamar. Just like the real. I got time today. Tamar Braxton. See, I love how she told the truth. She said it was never a heads up, and she said they were never on the same flight. They just ran into each other. Now, I'm kind of with Tawanda on this. Why do y'all still feel the need to mention this going on three years later? Like, why are we still speaking about this? Why does it matter? Because you're going around promoting the real. You finally want to break the silence about it and talk about it. If that's the case, clear the studio audience and bring Tamar on there to talk with y'all about why it happened or why it's a place and, and hash out what really happened. We all know at this point, it's been three years now. Tamar's not on the show. She has been on the show for years now. And she's in a different place. Tamar's also getting, is, found for, is also in the middle of a divorce from Vince. So they also threw it on Vince and said that Vince tried to lie on them and said that Lonnie was really the reason why she got fired and couldn't find out that wasn't true. 
I don't have an opinion on this because I feel like it's old. Why are we still talking about this? Why does it still matter? It's been three years. Tamar has other things to worry about at this point, and you want to bring back this? For why? Like, for why? I mean, we have other things to worry about. And on that note, I'm moving the finuck on. Wait a minute. That's a, that's a fake one. Hold on. Okay. Let's get into Kanisha West Kardashian. Yes, I called her out of her name. Because all this week, she has been on my timeline annoying the fuck out of me. And this is coming from a fan. Like, I, I can't help it. I, the man is a musical genius, and it it puts me in a complicated situation between my conscience and just loving his music. And I had to, even R. Kelly had to learn to separate the man from the music. I don't care if they make money from it. At the end of the day, we all make money and we don't like how we make the money, but we make it. Anywho, so let's start with the first one. Um, Kanisha decides she wants to go to the White House and have a luncheon with um, y'all sitting president, because I don't know um, in this meeting, basically, she reveals that she looks up to industry people like um, the president, child, I don't know her name, um, Ralph Lauren, and another name, like basically saying he looks up to industry people. He also says with the MAGA hat that he feels like he has on a superhero cake, he feels like Superman. I understand your reasoning and your logic as to why you even went to the White House in the first place. But at the end of the day, you went on this whole thing apologizing recently to Chicago radio station about everything that was said. Even the racism was, I mean, racism, slavery was a choice comment. And now you're coming here and you're on, you're not on, excuse me, you're in the White House meeting with Satan's son. So why should I forgive you now? Like, why should we go through this? And it's just like you completely contradict yourself every single time. And it's like, for me, it's always a ploy whenever he's about to put out a project and it annoys the living fuck out of me. I'm like, I'm hit to the Kanye game. I'm very hit to it. Every time that he's about to put out a project or he's about to put something out with his name on it, he decides to say something stupid in front of the camera or say some, something stupid behind social media. Like when before Ye came out, remember he made that whole slavery was a choice comment and a lot of people was canceling him behind that. Now you go to there and you basically go to the White House and say you feel like a superhero when you have on the, the Make America Great Again hat. It's a symbol. It's just an oppressive symbol at this point. And you're standing behind it and you want to keep on this whole I'm Gandhi, I'm the modern day Gandhi um, feel. Gandhi also had his limits of things that he did and did not represent. He knew how to say he did not support or anything support certain messages or certain things that he knew how to do it in a peaceful way. You don't. You come across as very aggressive, very passionate, and just simply blissful in your ignorance. And I just have reached the point to where I can't. So while we are speaking of um, Kanisha girl. Um, Drake recently appeared on 
The Shot, which is a show that is being produced by um, LeBron James. It comes on HBO. It has like a barbershop setup if you've never seen it. And they have guests come on and it doesn't feel like they're actually coming on to a talk show or anything. If you're a guy, you know about the barbershop and the essence of the barbershop is like you come in and you have real conversations. So I kind of, I didn't watch it. I watched the clips on the shade room. So Drake decided to open up about what took place and what happened um, back at the end of, like the beginning and the end of June with Kanye and the whole start of his beef with Pusha T and where it ended up with Pusha T was going and he had a son before Scorpion came out. All right, so boom. <laughs> Let's get it directly into this. So, <clears throat> I made notes of this. Um, Kanye basically said that he mentioned that Ye wanted to beat Quincy Jones. Um, no. First and foremost, Quincy Jones' name is on one of the most successful and highest selling solo albums of, in American music history, which is Michael Jackson's Thriller. It is currently sitting at 33 times platinum. Quincy Jones's work is timeless and it will never, ever, ever be erased. Um, let's be perfectly clear on that. And on top of that, Quincy Jones, unlike who's just like few producers that are in the game now, even does not need to sample in order to make good music. You sample everything you do. It has a sample to it. So you can never say, I want to be as good as Quincy Jones. You could, I mean, beat Quincy Jones. You probably could be on around the same level, but Quincy Jones is a super producer and you just, sir, could never. Moving right along. <clears throat> he said he offered him lift, to, um, lift Yourself, then releases it himself without Drake. Now, I remember seeing this part and it was just... I didn't believe it. I didn't know, but he did say if you wanted, he said you played him lift yourself when you offered him to come out to Wyoming. And he was like, well, he started writing to it, and the next thing you want to turn around, and he released it himself without Drake. Um, then it also says he sent him he sent him the actual track from March 14th, and then he also sent him a picture of Adonis, which is Drake's son. We've never seen Adonis. He shows LeBron James and all them Adonis, and LeBron James also specifies that Adonis does have blue eyes. So, here's my thing, right? Um, I, I just, I'm not with it. I'm not with the whole situation. I feel like it was a play tactic because it went to show he definitely had knowledge of Adonis before we did. And Drake also specified that all of a sudden he started seeing a bunch of June dates beforehand. And this was after Drake had went out to Wyoming to meet with Kanye West. So to me, it's no real coincidence that all of a sudden that Pusha T feels the need to come to come at him at the beginning of June when he did infrared it. Um, infrared, I forget. Oh, I pronounce that fucking name. Don't get me started, bitch. I'm already a little drunk. So it's just... It goes to show it was a chess move. It was definitely something that wasn't that should have that should have never happened. But he also pushed. He also went a little too far when he mentioned that Forty had MS, and it just it was just ugly. It was just real ugly, real brutal. But we also got quickly reminded that this is also the history of rap battles and how ugly they can get. So if you still stand for Kenesha West, I mean, girl. Best of luck to you in your common sense. I'm going to question who raised you because 
if you find it in your heart to still defend him and his um, bigotry ways, and especially who he supports, sis, I have no love in my heart for you at this point because I just feel like he is making his bed and he's lying in it. And a lot of people are just not with the shits anymore. And I just, I'm done. I don't want to even talk about him, his whorish wife, that whorish family at this point. I mean, they have cute kids. They make cute children, but they're still whores. Mm. They're not hoes. They're whores. There's a huge difference. They're whores. They find, unfortunately, they love black men. They love to just decide they want to have children and get married with them and all that good stuff. But Hey, this America, y'all love him. Y'all had him on WeTV for over 10 years, offering him millions a season. Welcome to America. On that note, I'm going to take a quick break, refill my wine glass, and we'll be right back. Y'all see how I just said I took a break? Y'all see that, right? See, in this time slot, I have time to promote, make funny skits or whatever, but listen, I'm feeling real generous these days. Um, starting next week, I'm going to have this slide right here specifically for any type of advertisement or any up-and-coming artists that I like. Um, if you want your music or your product or anything to be featured on the show, please feel free to send me an email at wryhpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, it's wryhpodcast at gmail.com. Let's get back to this good old show. Okay, boys and gents, we're back. And um, this week on the thread, I wanted to shed a layer, get a little personal. Hold on, I need a little wine for this one. Hold on, Joe. Okay. <laughs> so as we all know, October 11th was National Coming Out Day. Um, I pondered doing this. I wanted to do a whole show dedicated to cursing out um, Kanisha West Kardashian, but I just... I don't have any to shade him enough that much. So instead, I decided to share my coming out story. Now, this is a little lengthy because um, my coming out story, I have one general one where I speak about me coming out to the public and then my family, which is a little more complicated than it should have been. But I was young, dumb and lying for some. So. I said, boom, let's get directly into it. Um, back, I want to say in middle school, we can go there first, okay? Um, I knew I wasn't fully attracted to girls around sixth or seventh grade. I knew for a fact I wasn't attracted to females. I don't know why. Um, and I confided to my childhood friend. We grew up together, my friend Shorty. I said, I don't know what... I just felt weird about it. And I just felt like, I was like, something just feels weird. And she was like, what? I said, I'm, I'm not really attracted to girls. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but I don't like girls. I know for a fact, I don't really like girls. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I think I like guys. I don't know why. So she, um, I told her I can find her that I was bi. Um, and I just, I kept it that way for so long. For, um, eighth grade, so around, I mean, until like sixth or seventh grade. Around seventh or eighth grade, I met my other childhood friend, Laquan. So at this time, I kind of find out me and Laquan identify, we click, we call each other bitch and hoe. You know, no shit friends do, you know? 
And we both can find in each other that, you know, we both feel like we both feel like girls. We went by that safe bi orientation that most gay people do before they realize that they just don't like the opposite sex. <laughs> so we did that um, to exchange what we wanted to say or things that we couldn't say because we were so young. We kept journals. In these journals, we wrote every single night. And hold on. Sounds girl here, so I pause because you need to take a quick break. Um, in these journals, we wrote every single night. Um, these journals were not rated PG or even PG 13. They were very raunchy about the things and people that we liked and what we wanted to do to them. They were like sexually explicit. We were teenage, we were preteen boys at the time. We didn't know any better. I won't sit here and go into explicit detail because it's just not the place or the time for it. Um, Y'all know I'm all for it, but I keep it PG with certain things. So let's just say they were very explicit, very raunchy, and very grown, as Black people love to say it. So one day, I'm in my science class, and I'm writing in my journal. I've already read Laquan's, and I'm writing for yesterday. So we go, we switch periods and we switch out of my science class into the next classroom. I go in my book bag and I realize I'm like, oh shit, I don't have my journal. So I go to Laquan instantly and I'm like, Laquan, do you have my journal? And he says, no, nah, I don't have your journal. The fuck? I'm like, all right, let me go back to the science room and see if it's there. I go look at the desk I'm sitting at. Um, the classroom's empty. My teacher's not there. I go in the classroom. I check inside the desk and everything. My notebook is gone. I, at this point, am shitting bricks. I don't know what to do. All I know is my notebook is gone, and God knows who has it, and God knows what was inside that book at that time. So I'm shitting bricks. You hear me? Shitting fucking bricks. So randomly one day, I get called to the principal's office. So my principal, Mrs. Sociedad, um, had came to me and was like, um, I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm like, okay. So he says, is this yours? Mind you, my notebook did not, my journal didn't have my name on it at all. So they went in and I saw they read my journal. And I at first said, no. So they were like, well, that's kind of what we thought you would say, but we took some of your old tests tests that were hanging in the hallways and we were able to match some of your writing patterns and we basically confirmed that it is yours. I'm like, ah, shit. So at that point, I'm just, I'm emotional because it was sacred. It was private and I didn't want everyone in my business. So I got my notebook I'm hugging my notebook in this moment because I'm feeling like the one thing I wanted to keep to myself is now out there. And I asked Mr. Sociedad, I'm like, can I please take my notebook back? And he was like, unfortunately, no, we have to confiscate it. So I'm like, shit. Next thing I know, the dudes in the school have gone around in one way or another. People find out about my notebook. Automatically, you hear the mess, the passive aggressive male toxic responses like, Oh, I am with that gay shit. Oh, Lonnie wrote said this is that. And the third day, whispering about it and looking at me. 
And I'm just like, oh my God, why, why, why? I had one of the dudes come up to me and was like, oh, yo, we, uh, you can say we we together, but you know, you can't be with that gay shit. Like, wait, what, how does that work? Like, oh my God. So around high school, after we graduated, and of course, everybody got over the whole awkwardness of the gay situation. I just decided to go into high school and was like, yo, I don't even want anyone to focus on this gay thing. Because I'm just like, I'm really trying to be different. So I'm trying to front like I like a girl. And in reality, she knows she's like, yeah, that's straight. I'm just like, oh, God. So I'll never forget in high school, if you went to the same high school as me, you already know how we gave it up when it came to our debates about homosexuality. And one day this kid said something really arrogant and I just, I had had enough. I was like, you don't have to accept us, but you will respect us. And ever since then I had a light in me to shed light on that situation because I just felt like people think they can say that do whatever they want to gay people and think that they don't have a voice or they defenseless or I mean that we're defenseless or we just... Or like you just pussy or something like no we will beat you the fuck up but you will respect us at the end of the day just because my sexual orientation doesn't mean that I'm not a man moving on my parents here we go mm. it's hitting tonight so we're gonna start with my mom um my mother came to me questioning my sexuality when I was like in eighth grade. Um, not even eighth grade, I'm lying. Freshman year of high school. So a lot of us remember that way back when, when especially before you had Facebook, Instagram, all the good social media accounts, you had MySpace, you had Black um, Black Planet, um, BGC, um, all that good stuff. Well, before all of that. If you were a teenager in the early 2000s, like myself, you remember the chat lines, man. The chat lines. You remember the Raven and the Loop. Need I say fucking more? The Raven and the Loop. So on the Raven, I met my very first boyfriend. And I'm in freshman in high school, and I'm young and completely naive. So at this point, I'm doing dumb shit. I decided to write this mother a letter in my parents' room, and I forgot about it. And just was like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm in love with you, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, me and this nigga never met face-to-face or nothing. So one day, my mom calls me into her room. She says, Lonnie, come here. So I go over her room. She's like, close the door. I'm like, oh, whenever my mom says close the door, you know it's something serious. So she's like, are you gay? And I told her the truth at the time. I was like, Mom, I really don't know. I don't. And she said, listen, you're my son and I love you. I don't like it, but I accept it. My mom was easy. So ever since then, my mom has, like I said, my mom is my biggest cheerleader and I say it to anybody in a heartbeat. We don't speak every day. We don't even interact every day. But however, whenever I call her, if I need something, my mom is there. So, let's get to my father. My dad. My mother has been trying to tell my father for years. 
to talk to me about something. And he never knew what it was until his family came to him about my Facebook. I told you at the time, I'm still, I'm 20, I'm about 20, 21. I'm still young, dumb, and naive. On my Facebook, he said gay. And at this time, my family members are my friends on my on my MySpace. So my dad, we had an argument. Wow, child, a layer for real. I had um, adult fun tutorials in my house, and they were in a shoebox. And if you don't know what an adult fun tutorial is, I suggest you use your imagination. Um, I had the um, the videos inside of a shoebox, and one day randomly my father ended up finding it. So it just so happens in one of them it was an LGBT instructional video, um, and it wasn't men. Yeah, get into it. Never was brought by accident, by the way. Um, and so it turned into a whole debate about him coming to me about living and basically being gay and at the time when I was in my parents house I had a mural on the back of my door of all of my friends and pictures that I had and just what happens I had a picture of my best friend at the time um a lot of my friends including my best friends from high school and he decided to go after one friend in particular and he was just being like literally getting on me and was like oh look at this face this face isn't normal at that point you can talk about me until you're blue in the face. What you will not do is talk about someone you won't even take the time to get to know. And at this time, I, mind you, my, I don't date my friends. So it's like, I've never been romantically involved with him, nothing. So for you to even come at me like this, I'm like, this. you've never taken the time out to get to know this boy. You act as if he's a, like he's a disease whenever he's around you. So don't sit here and tell me that you can talk about me and so you're blowing the face. He even tried to say that my I should have went to a different school. You made the decision for me to go to this school. So let's not try and cock the plea about me going to this school. Because at the end of the day, you made the decision. I wanted to go to Urbison High. Don't ask why. I wanted to go to Urbison High. I wanted to go to a public school. I did not want to go to Catholic school. You wanted me to go there. So guess what? Here we are. Here we are. And so we fought for two days and he just came to his senses. We got over it. And he doesn't like it to this day. And I've just learned after my parents knew, I no longer cared who else knew. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I did not care who else knew. And to this day, I still don't. It becomes a part of you especially once your parents know that you no longer care. It's like, I, as long as my parents know, I'm good. I really don't care. And I had this conversation with one of my good friends earlier, and it's the truth. He hates the stigmatism behind the coming out talk. And I'm like, I don't. And he asked why. I said, because it's not about putting it out for attention. It's about helping the next person. It's I would never tell a person when or where they should come out. I had an ex I dated years ago um, who was trying to come out to his family. He came to me and was like, um, do you think I should come out? I said, I don't want to be a part of that the, the part of that decision. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, because to me, 
you need to make that decision on your own. I don't want to be a part of that. And that's a decision you have to live with that your family that knows you're gay. What if they don't openly accept you? What if they decide to reject you, kick you out of the house, whatever may have you? Because some families have done that. I don't want to be an influence on that decision. I feel like you should come out when you're ready to. He decided to come out on his own. His family accepted him. That's how it should be. You should come out when you're ready. It should not be a day when you decide to come out. It should be a time when you feel comfortable enough and dealing with the reaction to your news about you being gay, bi, a lesbian, whether you want to transition. That is your business. And it is your journey and it is your acceptance. You have to learn, and I said it the whole time I spoke about natural coming out dad. Tell your truth even if it makes someone uncomfortable. That means when you're ready, though you might face feedback and harsh feedback from it, live in your truth. Live in your moment, and it's going to happen. It happens to everyone. It happened to me. I just told you it happened to me. It happened with my parents. It happened with people at the time that were friends and classmates. It happens, but you have to be open and willing and ready to accept it when it does happen to you. Okay? So that concludes my coming out story. I'm done with it. I'm moving on. But with that, we're going to go directly into the self the self-care tip, which I call the ultimate selfie. The power in the word no. Um, one of the biggest things that I couldn't stand growing up was hearing the terms that I'm selfish. And I'm a firm believer in embedding those type of behaviors and adjectives and all these things that your parents call you. It's behavior you, you actually exude when you become an adult. So don't allow someone to make you feel guilty for saying the word now. Sometimes it's just, I love you. I promise I do. But it's certain things I will and will not do. And and sitting here and inconveniencing myself and making myself uncomfortable to make you comfortable is not something I'm willing to do. So no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. It's power in the word no. And we all have to learn it to protect ourselves, even in situations that you want to be in. Let's say you're with a spouse and let's say the spouse decides they want to bring a third person into the bedroom. No, you don't have to do that. If you want to do it to make your spouse happy, that is your business. But if you are not comfortable enough in your relationship and this person wants to bring a third person into your shit, no. For why? Especially, <laughs> especially, let's say that, especially in bed, they're not the best. Why? So you can have two people disappointed? I'm with you because I love you. But honestly, you don't satisfy me. Sometimes the truth hurts, and sometimes the word no can hurt someone too. You just have to learn to use it in discretion, learn how to use it to protect yourself, and just learn sometimes your limits. Sometimes you just got to say no. No. Say it with me. No. <laughs> Girl, no, I'm not giving you an Uber home. You decided to help and knew you ain't had no money to get to the house. Girl, no. Who pays this home? Mm-mm. Anywho, that concludes this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, please like, rate, subscribe, share the show with your friends. Help get these numbers up. I want to be around for you guys so much. Um, I tried to plan 
my feature guest for this week. But unfortunately, my feature guest is not free. So I'm trying to see who wants to be the first guest to come on because I'm ready to entertain a co-host for a show or two. So if you want to, please let me know in the comments. Y'all know how to reach me um, and all that good stuff. So yeah, this concludes this week's show. Let me give y'all one more sip of wine. Hold on. Mm. And I will see y'all next week. Have a good week. Bye.